Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants with your host, Raphael Bender. So great to be here with you. And dear listener, stick with me for a relatively short episode today, and we're going to talk about how simple exercises can have complex effects. And I particularly mean in relation to the shoulder. I think shoulder exercises is something that we, as a rule in Pilates, massively overcomplicate. We make it a lot harder than it needs to be. And I'm going to show you how you can work every muscle in the shoulder adequately, or even well, with two simple movements. And we're going to do that uh, by the means of focusing in on the pectoralis major, in fact, the sternal fibres of the pectoralis major, and I'm going to take you on a journey over the next few minutes through the anatomy of that muscle, and we're going to make a picture of it in our mind, and forevermore after the next 10 or 15 minutes, for the rest of your life, dear listener, you will be able to precisely identify the action of the sternal fibres of pectoralis major in any arm position within one second. That I promise you. At the end of this episode, you tell me, did I succeed or not? I'm pretty confident. All right, so what I'm going to show you is that why you really only need two exercises or two basic exercise templates to work all of the shoulder muscles evenly. Now, when I say two exercises, I just mean a basic push and a basic pull. And when I say a basic push and a pull, it's like any kind of push, like a push-up or, you know, or a plank is a push, right? A pull-up or a row is a pull, right? So any kind of push, any kind of pull, combine a push and a pull, you've worked all the shoulder muscles. So I think this is awesome because we way overcomplicate exercise programming for the shoulder a lot of times. We think we've got to give a dozen exercises to target all of the muscles, where in reality, just two, just two exercises will will brilliantly work all of the shoulder muscles. Right, I'm going to show you how that is the case uh, with the specific example of the pectoralis major sternal fibers. All right, so do this with me, dear listener. Go on a journey inside your mind's eye. Picture, and if you can run your hand over the relevant parts of your body, that's even better. That will help you kind of experience it somatically. So picture, and if you can, you know, if you're not driving a car or <laughs> in a public space, uh, if you're somewhere nice and private and you're not in charge of a motor vehicle, uh, you know, picture your sternum, your breastbone, and, and run your fingers down your sternum. That is from, from really the, the, the sternal notch at the very top of your sternum, okay, top of the manubrium there, all the way down to, almost down to your xiphoid, okay, right at the base of the sternum, and then outwards along the ribs from the base of the sternum about two or three inches, Okay? So you kind of a, have a J shape there. So all the way straight down the sternum from top to bottom and then kind of a J curve at the bottom of the sternum onto the ribs and out sideways kind of un to, you know, under the middle of your nipple, you know, breast line there somewhere. And so that, that J shape is the origin of the sternal fibres of pectoralis major. Now the origin is just the attachment point of a muscle that is closest to the centre of the body. 
right? So the origin is the attachment closest to the center of the body, and the insertion is the attachment furthest from the center of the body. So you can just say attachment, it means the same thing, right? So that the whole sternum and the bottom, you know, the rib underneath the kind of pectoral muscle there, you know, the swell of the pectoral muscle, the rib underneath that about halfway, you know, from the front of the body to the side of the body, you know, maybe a couple of inches, okay? That whole area, it's a massive area. It's probably like, I don't know, it depends on the size of your torso, obviously, but like, you know, six inches you know, tall, your sternum maybe, and maybe, you know, two inches. So it's like eight inch, an eight inch, you know, span of the origin, the, the, the attachment of that pectoralis major sternal fibers. Now, can you picture that in your mind's eye? Can you, can you feel it with your hand? Okay. Well, now bring your hand and your mind's eye across to your humerus, your upper arm bone. Okay, so feel around where your shoulder joint is, okay, under your deltoid muscle there on the outside of the shoulder. And if you press really hard with a couple of fingers and you relax your shoulder muscles, you'll be able to feel the bone inside there, the round bony head of the humerus, the arm bone. Okay, and you don't have to be able to feel it very precisely, but if you feel in there, you'll feel something very bony, okay, <laughs> and that is the head of your humerus at the very top of the shoulder joint there. All right, so if you slide your fingers down the front of the humerus from there, about two inches, okay, now it's going to vary a little bit, you know, depending on how long your arms are, but you know, roughly about two inches, okay, from the top of the humerus on, and then at the down the front of the humerus, about two inches, Okay. And, you know, as, a, as an indicator, it's kind of where your biceps meets your deltoid. Okay. So where your deltoid muscle in your shoulder meets your biceps muscle in your arm, that, you know, kind of in the kind of the, 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 the little kind of crick where those two muscles join, okay, or, or the little dip where those two muscles join, that is another way of locating the insertion or the distal attachment or the attachment of the pectoralis major that is furthest away from the center, okay, of the body, that is where the pectoralis major attaches, okay? So a couple of inches down from the head of the humerus, down the front of the arm bone, okay, where the deltoid meets the bicep, roughly, okay, that is the other end of the pectoralis major. Now, let's consider this, okay? Like, when I say consider, I just mean, like, think and contemplate it, think about it in your mind, okay? You've got that whole span of the sternum, and then the, the side sideways kind of swell of the rib underneath the bottom of the pec major muscle there, okay? That's the attach. that's one attachment, that's the origin, okay? And then you've got this small area on the front of the humerus, about two inches down from the top of the head of the humerus, where the biceps meets the deltoid, okay? And that is maybe the, the attachment point of the pec major on the humerus is maybe the width of two fingertips, Okay, again, depending on how wide your fingers are, but roughly kind of sort of, okay? So it's quite a narrow or relatively narrow attachment on the humerus compared to this massive, like, you know, six or eight inch long attachment on the chest wall, okay? So now can you picture that? Now, if you, if you can even picture the actual muscle, right? So you've got the, all this whole big J shape on the sternum and the rib, okay? Now picture those fibers, of the pectoralis major running from that attachment. So picture them running from the top of the sternum down to that place, that attachment on the humerus, okay? Now the fibers from the middle of the sternum running across to that place on the humerus. Now the fibers from the bottom of the sternum running upwards to that place on the humerus. Now the fibers from the rib, because actually those fibers insert into the abdominals. They're called the abdominal fibers, actually. They insert into that same place on the humerus. So they run up quite 
sharply. Okay, so you've got this kind of big fan-shaped muscle, set of muscle fibers running all the way from your sternal notch at the very top of your sternum, all the way down the the the, the uh, breastbone. Okay, and then from the rib, you know, or the abdominal uh, insertions. Yeah, at, at the base of the pec there for an inch or two out from the sternum, okay? And they all converge in a kind of a fan shape into this place, uh, the insertion on your humerus, on your arm bone, a couple of inches down from the head of the humerus where the biceps meets the deltoids. And that insertion on the humerus is about the width of two fingertips, okay? Can you picture it? Can you actually picture those muscle fibers in that arrangement. The, the ones from the top of the sternum running slightly downwards, the ones from the middle of the sternum running pretty much perfectly horizontally across, the ones from the lower sternum and the ribs running diagonally upwards to the humerus. Can you picture those? All right, I reckon you can picture them. Now, here's a secret, dear listener. Muscles only ever do one thing. Muscles have this magical property called contractility. And contractility means, as you, I'm sure you can figure out, means they contract. They can shorten. To contract means to shorten. So muscles have this ability to shorten. Now, muscles can lengthen, but they can only lengthen passively. Like, they can't lengthen themselves. They can only lengthen when pulled on by an external force. Right? So if you activate the muscles on the other side of the joint to pull them, or if gravity pulls on them, or something else pulls on them. But muscles can't lengthen under their own power. They can only shorten under their own power. That's why you need muscles on both sides of the joint. That's why you need a muscle on the front of the body and an equal and opposite muscle on the back of the body. Right? Because the muscle on the front of the body can pull the arm forward, and the muscle on the back of the body can pull the arm backward. And if you only had one, your arm would pull forward and stay there forever. <laughs> or vice versa. So muscles can only ever shorten. This applies to all muscles in all body parts at all times. It's a, it's a, it's a, an axiom, okay? Muscles can only ever shorten in terms of what they can do under their own power, okay? Muscles can be lengthened, but the lengthening is always passive, as in the muscle doesn't cause the lengthening. The lengthening is a result of some external force, like gravity or another muscle or something, acting on that muscle and pulling it longer. All right. So muscles always pull, okay? And when they pull, okay, when they contract, that means to shorten, right? So think of those fibers now, okay? Those those fibers running that we pictured a minute ago from the manubrium at the top of the sternum in the sternal notch, they run slightly downwards and across to the humerus. From the center of the sternum, they run directly horizontally across the humerus. From the base of the sternum and from the top of the abdominals, from the, you know, the rib there under the base of the pec, they run up and diagonally across the humerus, right? So all of those fibers shorten, okay? Which means they pull that attachment on the humerus, okay, closer to the attachment on the sternum and the rib, okay? Now, some of the attachment on the sternum is above the humerus, some of it is beside it, and most of the attachment, most of the length of that muscle is below the attachment on the humerus, right? So some fibers of the pectoralis major are going to pull that attachment on the humerus a little bit upwards, okay? Those upper fibers on the manubrium, can you picture them? If you put your thumb on your manubrium at the very top of your sternum, okay, and your fingertips stretch them out towards your pec major insertion on that humerus there where the bicep makes the pec, okay, and imagine that those fibers there running from the top of the sternum 
to the humerus. Imagine them shortening. They're going to pull the humerus across. Now, pull the humerus across. That's what they do. Okay. Now, imagine those fibers at the base of the sternum contracting and pulling the humerus, the, the attachment point on the humerus, closer to them. Okay. Well, they're going to have more pull than the upper fibers because there's more of them, right? There's just more mass of muscle below the attachment than above the attachment. So what's going to happen when those two sites, the, 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 the origin and the insertion, are pulled towards each other is that the humerus is going to pull towards the sternum and a little bit down, right? Because there are some fibers pulling up, some fibers pulling across, and some fibers pulling down, but more fibers are pulling down. So it's going to go a little bit down, right? So that, that part of the humerus, so now like put your fingers on that part of the humerus, right, where the, the attachment of the pec major is, like about two inches from the top of the humerus down the front of the arm, okay, where the bicep meets the pec, roughly, okay? Now bring that part across as close to your sternum as possible and a little bit down. Do it now. Like, actually move your arm, okay? That is the precise action of pectoralis major. Now, palpate, again, if you're not on a bus or driving a motor vehicle, you know, palpate your pec major. Can you feel the muscle under the skin there is actually contracting? Can you palp, can you like palpate it, feel it with your fingers? Can you feel the muscle is like firm under your hand? Okay. The action of pectoralis major sternal fibers is to pull the arm across the body as if you're putting your hand in your opposite front pocket. Right? And I always think about this when I'm uh, heading into my car and I've got a coffee in my left hand and I keep my car keys in my left front pocket. And I have to reach across with my right hand into my left front pocket to get my car keys because I don't want to spill my coffee. <laughs> and that always makes me think that this is the precise action of pectoralis major sternal fibers. Can you picture that, dear listener? Now, that is the precise action of pectoralis major sternal fibers. Now, so what now we can actually use this information to very easily and quickly identify the precise action of pec major in any arm position. All right, let's start by reaching your arm straight out in front, okay, like you're about to do some kind of a rowing movement, right, like a pulling type movement. So your arm's horizontally out in front. All right, picture those two ends of the pec major, right? Picture the origin on the sternum, the rib, picture the insertion on the arm bone, okay? Now pull those two points closer together. What happens? You can bend your elbow if you want, but you get kind of a pulling movement where the elbow comes in. Don't you? Kind of a pulling movement, right? The arm pulls back to the torso. Okay? So when the arm's out in front of the body, okay, and the pectoralis major pulls towards its shortened position, okay, the pectoralis major is a pulling muscle. Okay? What about when the arm is overhead, like you're hanging about to do a pull-up? Okay? Picture those Oh, the origin, the insertion. The origin's on the sternum. The insertion is on the upper arm there, okay? Can you picture those fibers, okay? Well, what action will the pectoralis major do from here when you contract those fibers and shorten them together? It's going to pull those two fibers close together. It's going to cause a pulling down motion, isn't it? Again, to that same precise position with the hand across to the opposite front pocket, okay? Well, what about if your arm is behind you, Okay. Like you're maybe doing the, uh, you're in the position of, well, let's let's say like a dip, 
okay? So if your arm is behind you with your elbow bent, like you're in the bottom position of doing a dip, okay? Or you might think long back stretch on the reformer, right? With your hands on the foot bar in the down position where your elbow's bent behind you, kind of in the dip. Or like a tendon stretch on the reformer, okay? Arms behind you. And now picture, where are those fibers of pectoralis major? Where's the origin? Where's the insertion? Now pull the origin and the insertion together, contract those fibers in your mind's eye. What happens to the arm? Well, it comes forward, doesn't it? Right? Forward and across the body. So when the arm's behind the body, pectoralis major brings the arm forwards, right? But we just said a minute ago that when the arm's in front of the body, pectoralis major brings the arm backwards, right? So pectoralis major is, is important, is a prime mover in both pulling, horizontal pulling, and vertical pulling, and horizontal pushing, right? Let's take your arms out wide now at shoulder width, like you're at the bottom position of a push-up. So your elbows are about shoulder width, you know, shoulder height, sorry, you know, or a bit lower, okay? And your elbows are back, Okay, picture the origin, the insertion of that muscle again. Okay, the insertion, the origin, sorry, on the sternum, the insertion out on the arm bone, pull them closer together. Imagine you're doing a push-up. What happens? The arm moves into the body, right? So when, when you're in a push-up position, the pectoralis major is a powerful muscle that pushes you up and is a pushing muscle, right? So the pectoralis major does pulling both horizontal and vertical and pushing both horizontal and vertical. Does this make sense to you? I'm betting it does because once you can picture the anatomy and like where the parts are, okay, and you understand that a muscle can just contract, which means to shorten, which means to pull its two ends closer to each other, okay, and you understand where the two ends are, you know that the muscle is only ever and always going to pull its two ends towards each other, right? So wherever the arm is, it's always going to pull its two ends as close as it possibly can. Okay, now, if you activate other muscles at the same time, that'll change the particular you know, direction that the arm moves in because you're you know, pulling it in a slightly different direction with a different muscle and thus kind of steering it, okay? But the pectoralis major itself will be very active when, the arm, when you're pushing, when you're pulling both horizontally and vertically. So, dear listener, can you now picture the precise action of pectoralis major in any arm position. So just say we had the arms out to the side, okay, like a hug a tree, okay? Imagine you're kneeling on the reformer, okay? You've got the your hands in the straps, you're facing the foot bar, okay? And you bring the hands together. Okay, was the pectoralis major working hard in that movement? Yeah, of course it is. What about in, say, you're doing a... Uh, kneeling uh, front rowing, like, a, what do we say, arm circles, chest expansion, uh, reverse expansion arm circles, okay? You're kneeling, facing the foot bar again, hands in the straps, arms start behind the body, okay? And here you're reaching the arms forwards. Is pec major working? Yes, it is, okay? What about when we do our chest expansion, okay? Kneeling on the reformer, facing the pulleys, hands in straps, Hands stand out in front of the body, you pull the straps in towards you. Is pec major working? Yes, it is. Okay, so pec major is a push and a pull muscle. So you really are going to struggle 
to do any arm movement <laughs> without significantly engaging pec major. Now, there are one or two okay, arm movements that you can do without uh, majorly engaging pec major. But if, if you do a push through a full range or a pull through a full range, you will definitely challenge pec major sternal fibers. Now, what we've just explored with the pec major we could equally say of triceps, biceps, trapezius, serratus anterior, pec minor, rhomboids, and a whole host, in fact, all of the shoulder muscles, coracobrachialis, infraspinatus, uh, anterior deltoids, subscapularis, latissimus dorsi, uh, levator scapulae, okay, teres major, we could, we could list them all off, and basically what we would find if we went through a detailed journey and thought about their anatomy, okay, and the biomechanics of each muscle, what we'd find is in any sort of major pulling movement, we would work, of those 20 shoulder muscles, we would work about 15 or 16 of them, okay, depending on which angle we were pulling at and stuff, okay? And in any major full range pushing movement, would work about 15 or 16 of them, right? And the only muscles that are not going to be worked significantly in both those pushing and pulling movements are really, you know, your anterior and posterior delts, maybe your lats less in a pushing movement, okay? Uh, rhomboids and levator scapulae less in a pushing movement. Um, but really, you know, about, if you just do just a push, or just a pull, you'll work about 80% of your shoulder muscles, right? If you do a push and a pull, you'll work all the shoulder muscles very in a very balanced fashion. All right, dear listener, I hope you've this uh, made sense for you. I hope it helps you. There's nothing wrong with giving lots of shoulder exercises for people, but you don't need to give lots of shoulder exercises for people because very simple exercises can have complex effects and doing a, something simple like a push-up and a row, okay, or any simple push and pull movement will work and challenge all of the shoulder muscles, including all of the rotator cuff. Now, we could talk about the rotator cuff in more detail, but that's a conversation for another episode. So, dear listener, I hope you hope you found this useful, and I hope that uh, this decomplexifies your shoulder exercise programming, uh, and that you can confidently now just give people um, a series of pushes and pulls. It doesn't really matter whether they're pushing up or down or pulling up or down, as long as they're pushing and pulling, <laughs> and if they're moving through full range, even better. And then you can confidently tick that off your list and know that you've worked all of their arm muscles. All right, much love, and I'll see you in the next episode. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. 
And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.